Welcome back, Coffee with the Johns, episode nine. Okay. Um, <laughs> get the sound effects in there, bro. We got a lot going on today. We we are actually on a time crunch. We're gonna end at nine, so we have a lot to get in there. We're gonna be talking about the volatility in the real estate market. That's uh, still all over the place. Um, we're gonna be still going over a lot of the. Um, well, stimulus, not much <laughs> updates there. Uh, we're going to be talking about negative interest rates and things that have been going on with uh, stock accounts and stuff like that with uh, Robinhood and the 2,000 accounts getting hacked. Whoops. So, yeah. Um, oh, that's interesting. So my camera's upside down. So there we go. Fixed. <laughs> In the moment. Oh, everybody's turning your computers upside down. Yes. There you go. In now you can see it. There we go. Um, all right, but to start that off, well, hold um, on. we got a new your... office set up here. Yeah, yeah. Hope you guys so, like that. It's not just a blue wall and nothing on the walls. Yeah, we we got a little more official, and we are getting uh, a custom sign made by Can Opener Labs. Mm -hmm. uh, so Drew is actually building a really cool prime vintage sign that we're gonna have uh, hopefully by next week. So I'm looking forward to your guys' feedback. Let us know if you like the current setup right now. Um, it's been all Friday, last Friday. Yeah. In the wall, putting stuff on, listening to his critique. De de decorated by yours truly. We've uh, we picked out all the finishing touches and everything, so hope you guys like it. Um, that being said. Hit the like button. we got 10 people watching, only three likes. Yeah. Just hit it. Hit it. <laughs> uh, well, share it. You know, share the, the oh, biggest thing is, uh, again, we're, we're trying to spread this news with everybody, make sure everybody's uh, investing in real estate and all the things that we do in the right way. So make sure uh, you guys are sharing it and and telling people about it, letting people come in and make sure that you join the conversation, guys. We, we would love to hear your feedback. Uh, with that being said, I'm your host, Jonathan Barbera. And with me, as always, is co-host, Mr. John Barr. Um, let's kind of get into this. So did you watch the debate last night? Oh, yeah. Oh, I can't turn down one of those. Like I will say, this one wasn't as reality TV ish as the they, previous one. Yeah, they did pretty good, both of uh, them, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, I mean, it's very. I had, it was this pretty funny. Trump knew, like, he was Trump. He's like, you can see, him, like, poor, like, okay, okay, I'll shut up for now. Yeah, and they, they, I think they only cut his mic off one time uh, or something like that. But uh, it was, uh, it was a good debate. I mean, I think they both. It was actually an actual debate versus like two children yelling at each other. No, you didn't. Oh, oh you stupid. So I, 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 it, it was good in in that format. Um, as far as like substance and stuff goes, I, this is where I, I, I always find it funny when you're watching these things. Is like they say they promise the moon, but it's like the one person does not. It's not a dictatorship. They can't control everything. Yes, they have influence into how Congress goes and where the economy goes and where the country goes. But if they don't hold all three branches. Yeah. You can't you can't change anything. Just like he said that asked why didn't you get it done in um, so many years? Like in the eight years you're there, he goes, "Well, I didn't have Congress." I'm pretty sure the first four years you had all three all three of them. They didn't flip the house until 2012. Well, so, I mean, even honestly, even beyond that, my issue was more they were both talking about nothing really, right? I mean, every time something was being asked, like, "What are you going to do specifically on this?" They didn't have an answer, 
you know, and it was a lot of posture and it was a lot, you know, now Biden, I have the Biden health plan. So it's not Obamacare. It's going to be Biden care now. So there's the ego trip there. Um, Trump doesn't even have a health plan. I mean, his is just everything's going to be beautiful and better. But there's no, but that's where I'm going at is that there's no real substance. And. I mean, I, I don't think we've ever really came out and said, like, who we support or anything like that. But, I mean, it's kind of evident as far as we're business owners and we support businesses. So when you look taxes. at when you look at Biden's plan, I mean, the taxes are going to be insane. And, and one of the things I found funny is that Biden said uh, not in this in this one, but in the uh I don't know, some interview he did. He's like, oh, I'm going to help uh, minority entrepreneurs the most. I'm like, not with your tax plan. <laughs> like, <laughs> when they realize they got to pay the taxes that you're putting out, I mean, unless you're giving them a minority tax incentive, yeah. that their tax bills are going to be insane, as is everybody else's. So it's like you're not helping out any minority or any business owner with your tax plans, right? So yeah. I, I look at that. And yes, there are issues and stuff, but I look at overall, if the economy tanks, we're going to have much bigger issues than all the other crap, you know, global warming and and not saying that it's crap, but like all the other stuff. I think with Biden's plan, like we have more of a risk of, uh, you know, it hurting the economy. I just look at like what he's trying to do is like trying to fundamentally change every piece of the economy from medicine to energy to I mean, how does the overall tax plans work? And it's like, dude, like you're saying you're going to phase out oil. It's like by far oil is still the cheapest production. And where Trump even said, he's like, okay, we can say the U.S. is carbon emission neutral. What are you gonna do about China, Russia, India? I read an article on that. We're like, we are a very small portion of the overall world pollution. Yeah. That's like, yes, we can do our part to do a better job, but it's like, unless these other players play along, we're hurting our economy, making our economy less competitive because the cost to run that kind of stuff is astronomical compared to the fossil fuels that India, China, Russia, all these other developing countries are pumping out. So it's like. That's the real question. I heard him say, like, yes, dig into that. And then they just jumped over real quick. Oh, yeah. Oh, come on. We can't talk about real issues here. We can't talk about the fluffy ones. And and one of the things that I found uh, funny was, uh, like, you look at all the things that they're trying to force forward pretty much. But this is the stuff. And, you know, even Tommy Ray said people can immigrate outward to other countries for benefit of socialized medicine. Right. So people can leave for the stuff that they want for more of that socialism and that, you know, let's everybody take care of me kind of mentality. But then look at what's happening in California as they're changing all these things. And the same with New York, people are getting the hell out of there. And that's what they don't understand is that entrepreneurs, business owners, all of these people, if you start hurting them, they will leave. They will figure out other places they need to go that's going to protect them. It's going to give them the tax advantages. It's going to make it more profitable because at the end of the day, even though entrepreneurs are the ones that create the businesses and create the employee employment and everything, we're all still in it for a profit. Yeah. I mean, this isn't a charity case, right? Only Tesla is a charity case. But other, you know, this isn't a charity case. We need profit. We need to make income. So if you're going to start hurting that, guess what? They're going to leave. 
They're going to go elsewhere. Now what are you going to do? The government can't provide jobs. And that's the stuff that even from Trump's side, uh, you know, I was talking about it yesterday with um, with my wife and we were just I was telling her, I was like, you know, for a businessman, he hasn't made a lot of business savvy decisions. The way he handled the stimulus package and this whole thing hasn't been very business savvy. You understand? And that's very shocking to me from a businessman. But he's got to play politics. politics. Well, that's what we were talking about last night is like, I wonder what he's going to do if he wins the second term to where he doesn't have to place those many politics. He doesn't have to pander to be like, I have to get reelected to where like, that's why I'm not a fan of the two term uh, system is like, I'd rather just like a one six year term where they focus on being a president the entire time, not three years of playing um, coy and then the next year, that fourth year, trying to get reelected and run for an election bid and constantly pandering to everything, not doing what's right, but doing what's going to get you votes. Yeah. That's why I'm not a big fan of uh, how this, this whole system set up, but it's what we got. So um, it was overall, I think it was um, a good debate, but it, it was that. It just like, the, it's, it's the stark difference between what type of economy each one wants to have where i mean trump's is still much freer than what biden's is his is more based on high taxes and government support and government systems and things like that and not so much and eliminating competition in the free market so where tommy's alluded to several things in this so where the free market needs to compete when government intervenes on too large a scale it kills competition and you will get people that will leave and move to other places but i think that's what you kind of get when you get to these developed nations like the U.S. and Europe and U.K. Uh, and Asia, like some of these other places are, is these people are, they have other problems that a third world country doesn't have or a developing nation have, where it's like, we're just trying to feed our people. We're trying to grow an economy, make money, not, oh, health care is too high. Housing prices are too high. It's like, we just want housing and health care. Like, we're yeah. not worried about prices right now. We just want them to actually join in. Well, so, mo- moving to the, uh, the one article that we were talking about here is uh let me switch so i hope you guys can see that nope you can't see that yeah you can see that now all right (laughs) so 2020 presidential election ballots cast so far so i mean it's been insane the turnout i've i've actually tried to go vote a few times and the lines are insane doesn't matter what time i've shown up but um and and you know i just actually run a business so i can't i don't have the time to sit out there for you know three hours however long they decide to sit but um it's been insane people are yeah. actually showing up it's crazy like you read some of these stats <clears throat> this is a quote from the articles like more than 45 million total ballots cast as of thursday morning suggests a record turnout for this year race compared to the 5.9 mil- 5.9 million ballots that were cast at a similar time in 2016. you're almost looking at 10 times the number of votes that have voted already as compared yeah. to 2016. And it's not like no one voted in 2016. That was a record year for early voting as well. And then this year shattered it again by almost 10 times. This, With about 40% of the votes cast early, we're at 20% of the total 2016 votes in before like election day. Mm-hmm. Um, and leading the way on that is several states have already reached more than 50% of their 2016 voter turnout in total. So we're saying after the election, after everybody voted, it was all over. How many people have already voted compared to that number? And in Texas, 65, we've already, we're 65% of the way to the total 2016 elections. And we still another, we still have another, what, 12, 11 days mm-hmm. to election. And we still have another like seven days of early voting. 
It's like we're going to shatter those records of the people showing up. But it is a no surprise to where you can't almost turn your head anywhere the last two months without seeing Flash. Have you registered? Have you voted? I mean, Instagram. Um, I mean, I even got on Credit Karma and it said, have you registered to vote? Like on Yahoo, it's like, have you registered to vote? Like yeah. everywhere you were going. Anywhere. Like if you didn't register to vote, like you really just didn't want to do it because it was literally everywhere to get out there and do it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what what's actually interesting, though, is seeing how we have a lot of people turning out. So it's going to be why are they turning out? Right. Like that's, I think, yeah. what I'm curious about. Are they turning out because they're tired of Trump or are they turning out because um, they're scared of Biden? Right. I don't know. Because so, I, I honestly I, I'm not sure it's an election of who are you for? I think it's an election of more of who are you against? You know, who do you hate the most? Who do you think is going to cause the most harm to you and the country and stuff like that? So I think it's more along those lines because, yeah. I mean, let's say what it is. Trump is not a likable person, right? Like he's no. he's very obnoxious. He's very abrupt and, and he cuts He's very demeaning to a lot of people. So he has a lot of bad quality that doesn't make him a likable person. But when you look at, you know, stuff that's happened in the economy, stuff that he's done, it's kind of like, OK, yeah. You know, you may not like the guy, but it is what it is also. Um, and then you have Biden, on the other hand, that's like he's all for the people, right? He's about the people trying to uh, take care of them, uh, take care of their colleges, their health care the and people, all this. He's for what he thinks the people are. Well, but that that regardless, but what yeah. I'm saying is that he's given that message, right? So in that regard, he is more likable, right, than Trump. Yeah. But we are also risking the fact that, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, you're more likable, but then your policies in a business sense, from a business point of view, they don't make sense. You know yeah. what I mean? Like all this free stuff, it it doesn't it doesn't work that way. Somebody's going to pay for it, which is always a taxpayer. So whether you're giving stuff for free here, you're still going to have to take it here 10 times more. And we see that mm -hmm. we see that with properties. We see that with taxes in other country in other states. California is trying to tax everybody and anybody they can. Uh, New York, and, because they're hurting. Right. And that the only way they can do it is by keep increasing, well, doubling yeah, like taxes. Was, California came out and said they're going to do a state in, raise state income taxes, 16.8 percent. Yeah. So we're now like if you combine federal and state income tax, you're paying over 50 percent of your every dollar. If you're a wealthy individual, an entrepreneur, which is crazy, like if you're California, they say, like, I mean, it's the biggest state in the union, has the, the largest GDP in the state or in the union to where. It's just like if you tax everybody that freaking much, you have all these tech companies, you have all this stuff to where like they start making good life. And then all of a sudden they're like, man, a 50 percent, 55 cents of every dollar I make over a certain amount is going to the state. And then you look at the state of how it's being run and governed in like the road systems and the housing and the homeless crisis. People are like, we're out. We got to go and like not even doing it anymore. So mm -hmm. there are people that are leaving and, and fleeing. And but that's where I'm saying like there were Tommy initiated or said earlier to where. If that happens on a national level, people are going to leave the nation. Well, it's a lot harder to do than just picking up and moving a few states over. But it, that's where on the competitive level, like people will eventually people are going to go are, to Canada. I don't think it's going to be Canada. <laughs> uh, that would be the last place I'd be going is Canada. Somewhere in the Caribbean. That's right. And, and John says that because he hates the cold. Not anything against Canada itself. Yeah, it's I hate just, the snow. Uh, yeah, that, he, that's, a, that's just me. He gets cold very easily. 
But um, well, Tommy here also posted that he's uh, he finds uh, Trump more likable because he's an anti-politician. And that is, I think, one thing that he used very well yesterday is that he kept putting uh, onto Biden that, well, you're a politician, you're yeah. a typical politician. I was like, that's a that's a good strategy to use because a lot of people are tired of these politicians. I know I am. I mean, yeah. you, you look at all these people and I think from the beginning, I've said it, that the Democrats made a terrible choice by picking Biden. I think they had much better options that I think could have wiped the floor uh, with Trump, but they decided to go for the safe bet just like they did with Hitler, Hillary. And, you know, people don't want politicians. They want change, mm -hmm. right? And they see what politicians, all you get is yeah, I think they went eight the, years I think of they went, just nothing. I think they went for the more neutral um, choice to see like, hey, he's not as bad. He's not a... He hasn't done a whole lot, but he, I mean, you taught last night, he kept talking about, and I think it was a good thing. He's like, you're talking about blue states, red state. I'm talking about the United States. He's trying to make a united front saying, hey, I'm trying to bring everybody together. It's not, or Trump was like, these poorly run states and municipalities, these bailouts for those people, they're all Democratic led. And he's like, it's the blue states. And he's like, well, I'm not trying to do left, left or right red or blue he's like i'm trying to make it a union i want everybody to come together so he did bring that in but it's like that's good the, the stuff he was proposing it's like no uh, that is not yeah it's like yes you're saying that but the other word you're saying is not exactly that you're yeah. saying like we're gonna do so um socialized health care um or he didn't use those terms he said well we're gonna have a public option um and then we're gonna phase out oil it's like well they're just eliminated <laughs> oklahoma texas and alaska uh or the dakotas as like because their economies are heavily dependent on oil so like yeah. how are you not making this uh, well and then his stands state? on fracking is still very like questionable he hasn't yeah. really made up his mind on that apparently um so it's things that you know for good for better or worse it is what we depend on. It is what it brings up a lot of revenue. I mean, I think Texas is going to be a state that you either show up to vote or you might get hit with oil. I mean, or it could just be talk. Yeah. Like we know with a lot of politicians, they talk, they say all the good, right stuff to get elected. And then when they get elected, they do if any of it. Right. And luckily, then this is a point uh, that you always bring up is that we do have checks and balances that somebody cannot go up and unilaterally just make everything. You know, you do have Congress, you have the Senate, it needs to go through. So as long as I think we have like a that balance, balance one side where, like where you see you like can't once, have one side that runs the whole thing. Once Republicans lost the House, like Congress became a pretty much a gridlock on a lot of big things. Like right now, the stimulus package or even if they I mean, the the politics aside, it's like even if they wanted to get through like, OK, we agree to the Democrats two point two trillion or whatever. The Senate, the Republicans in the Senate have even said, like, we don't want to pass that. Like, we don't want to spend anywhere near a trillion dollars, let alone two trillion dollars. Because you look at parts of the economy, like Texas opened up. Like, I just did our, our market report that is, um, for those that are San Antonio listening, it's going to be going live next week. Yeah. Um, but San Antonio dropped to 6.6. .6. It dropped another, like, 1.3% from uh, last month. So it's like... Our economy is open. Our cases are not spiking like everywhere else says they are because we open first. Like we have opened up safely. Our economy is recovering well. And you look yeah. at our home prices, you look at our unemployment and like we're adding, I think we added like 55,000 jobs uh, in the report. So that that's fantastic news. It's like, why do we need another massive stimulus package and all these unemployment insurances and all this money for all this stuff? And it's like, 
Um, it shows if you just open up the economy and let this thing kind of move through, just like Trump alluded to last night, 99.9% of young people and 99% of people recover from this thing. As like the cure cannot be worse than the, what was it? The cure cannot be worse than the cause. Is that what he said? Um, Something like that. Yeah. Um, but it's saying that the shutdown is like, we can't keep shutting this stuff down. And like, you look at some, like the, the States, we talked about it last week with what California did to Disney. And they're like, if you're not going to let us open up, we're laying everybody off. It's like Florida is not having a problem. We're open down there. We're doing just fine. Like, why can't we do it in California? And then they always say, well, we're going to wait till after the elections to see what happens. Like, what does the elections have to do with anything about opening your economy up? So, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, that's, you know, that's politics for you. Uh, it's something that I, I do believe everybody needs to get out and vote. Uh, vote vote what you feel be educated though because I, yeah. I see a lot of people voting based on headline reading right but be educated actually look at their policies look at what they are they stand for I mean chances are and a lot of people are all betting on this and I do believe that it has some merit to it is that Biden is just the figurehead right now and as soon as he goes up something's gonna happen he's gonna have to step down and then you're gonna have Kamala Harris as the president right I, uh, it seems like that's what they're pushing for and yeah and Kamala Harris you got to understand her points of views I mean you got to see where she's coming from she's a strong character she's not a, a very silent VP like she's gonna be very vocal I think she's gonna be damn near another uh Dick Cheney Right. It was with Bush where Bush was just the figurehead and Dick Cheney ran the whole thing. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be the same thing with Biden. And so you got to pay attention to those things. It's like, is her policies the ones that you want? Yep. You know, and just be educated when you get out there and vote. But still get out there and vote. That being said, let's actually get into some fun stuff. Let's uh, we're going to be talking real about estate. the real estate market that is <laughs> all over the place. Um, so as you can see in this article. September existing home sales jumped 9.4%, but prices are rising too fast. And that is something that we are seeing ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we're seeing it in the market and not this weekend, but not this Sunday coming up, but the following Sunday, make sure you subscribe because uh, that's when we're going to be putting out the newsletter and yep. you were already pulling some data that we're like, holy crap. Yeah, you when know. you asked last week, you asked my opinion, do you think the, the winter months are we going to see a traditional slowdown like we always had been? And I was like, I, I, don't, I don't know. And yeah. I'll tell you right now, it was nowhere near a slowdown. Like we, I mean, a double digit sales increase, double digit uh, median sales price increase for the third month in a row. Like it's it's crazy uh, well, where it, the stuff's going. Even here, they're talking about, you know, it's uh, your months of inventory. It's like. 2.7 2.7 nationally months of inventory where your balance market is six months to where if we stop listing homes and the same rate of sales kept going in 2.7 months every single house in the united states would be sold that's an insane number to where i think uh yes. a year ago we were i mean three and a half fours nationally and then and um i've been watching a lot of youtube videos about they're saying like what's driving this market or why we have this stuff and they're like well, it's because nobody's listing their homes. I'm like, I'm sorry. We don't have four months in a row or three months in a row of record-breaking sales without people putting record-breaking houses on the market. Right. Like, yes, they may be down slightly, but when you're talking last year, a year ago, we're normally selling 2,500 to 3,000. We're selling over 4,000 houses a month. It's like, uh, and that's happened for multiple months. 
uh, that's not the yeah, case. Yeah, buyers, like, uh, sellers are getting back out in the market. I mean, yeah. and we, we are seeing well, that. Seeing we're these seeing these prices. They're like, yeah. man, again, that's where they say that is recession coming or is a bunch of stock going to hit the market? Like, I don't know, because I think people realize, especially if they experienced 2008, they knew what happened. They're like, man, I may be on forbearance now, but I have equity. The market's on fire right now. I think I might be able to sell and get out from underneath this thing before anything goes bad. Well, so, and, and kind of on that, we have this next article that you, Mortgage demand from home buyers falls for the fourth straight week. Well, so you you're having you know purchase demand is down seven percent. So you're having sellers come into the market more, but now buyers are starting to fade out a little bit because prices well, are getting too high. Right with that article, they said like yes, September existing home sales jumped nine point five percent, but prices are rising too fast, and this just perfectly alludes to it. It's like yeah. Prices are going through the roof yeah. at a very rapid rate to where, I mean, we're well above our, our in here in San Antonio, our median sales average from last year. Like we're way over that to where it's no surprise to see that. Hey, and it's also combined that we're heading into the wintertime and that's a seasonally adjusted kind of thing to where mortgage demand falls because the buyer demand falls. Right. Uh, but in September, it was through the roof here in San Antonio, but this is on a national level. So we're still a warm state. Some of these colder states, that's what kind of drives people into not wanting to get out and move houses. Because I don't know about you, but I don't want to be moving my house in the middle of a snowstorm. But they say the average contract or contract interest rate for a 30-year fixed mortgage increased to 3.02 from 3%. Yeah. To where if you go back a month ago, I think we we're sitting in the 2.8 ranges. So <clears throat> interest rates are rising because demand is falling. So that could be quote unquote good for people wanting to buy homes because now that supply and demand is going to start coming back into equilibrium a little bit. But it is a very concerning thing when prices are flying through the going that high that fast. Yeah, I mean, and, and we've seen it ourselves. Uh, we posted a video, so uh, we'll put a link on it after the live or just go onto our channel and you can check it out. But it's it's a video that we made nearly 40 grand in less than a week. And even when we sold the property, like we saw this in the market, you know, we saw this coming. We saw where the buyers are. We saw where the demand is. That's why we were able to do it. And we did very little work to the house, right? Because we saw this, we, we saw how people are just hungry for houses yeah. and the loans and all this. And well, there was just no inventory, no and, choice. It's right. like, Hey, I just need to find something. And that's exactly what happened is like, it was a scenario. It was a clean house. All the structural components to put a new roof on it. AC was good. Foundation, electrical plumbing, checked all that stuff, but it just needs some updating. But one of the biggest things that we both spoke about was we are not making this the rule. This, because no. to us, this is an exception. We were, because we pay attention to the market and because we're looking at it, we were able to jump on it and use it correctly. But that being said, we're we looked at it. We're like, this is insane. Like we don't we don't agree with it, right? But we're like, this does not make any sense. And especially when we know San Antonio, we know the San Antonio market. We know you know what income is, what the jobs are, and these prices going up as much as they are. It's it's not very sustainable and not at this pace. And then the houses that they're buying, that this house, I mean. Normally, we would have updated the cabinets. We would have updated the flooring, the bathrooms, the interior. We would have they done more updates. Everything. Yeah. We didn't do any of that, you know, yeah. and it's still sold it, within the day. I mean, you yeah. listed it Friday morning, Friday afternoon. We were under contract, full yep. price, everything. I mean, it, that's nuts. 
Oh, and it wasn't that. Like, I, I was leaving town for the weekend. I was like, I want to get this taken care of. I got a buyer that's very eager, seemed very motivated, talked to the agent. They knew what was what they were going into, what they were getting into, and we accepted the offer. But by Sunday, we had two more backup offers ready to go. Yeah. And then we had a third one come in that would have still profited from the deal. Uh, just like, my God. Yeah. Uh, we had four offers within three days on this house that still needed to be updated. But, I mean, everything worked. It was just it was, the house was built in the 80s, and nothing had been updated since the 80s. So so going, make sure, guys, uh, you definitely check that out because that video, we gave some really good tips. Uh, uh, there was hidden square footage in that house that yep. even the wholesaler didn't know. That's something that even as wholesalers, it helps you uh, to increase your fee and all that by understanding the true value of a house, the true potential of a house. So we give a lot of good tips on that video. So the link is going to be below or just Go, you can go, uh, not right now, after the live is over, uh, go check out that video. Uh, but a lot of good information. But, you know, moving on, we have this uh, next article where in areas of high risk for wildfires, relative affordability lowers homeowners. So pretty much they are lowering, houses are cheaper in areas of wildfire. <laughs> I mean, to me, this is common sense, right? Like, why wouldn't it be cheaper? Um, you have a bigger chance that the, you're going to lose your property. So, you know, the value should be lower, but not, not a drastic amount. But the thing is where most of these houses are at risk of wildfire. You're talking about Colorado, uh, California and houses there, your medium house, you're looking at 600 grand plus. So now you're looking at a difference of $20,000 from a house that's at risk of of being well, in the range of a wildfire versus a house that isn't well you know what does it is the insurance prices right because uh we have a friend that lives in the the hills of colorado um the mountains hills whatever they're the foothills of the rocky mountains there's what i was looking for um Fancy. and they were looking for insurance he's like it was insane trying to find insurance because it's like your options are very limited because I know the risk is huge. Yeah. And like, if something does burn down, like it is a very expensive to build in the mountains of anywhere to where I think that's a lot of uh, where these places are at high risk. It, it is in like areas that um, are more desirable. So that's mm -hmm. why you do have higher price and stuff. Cause if you're in the mountains somewhere, it's like, it costs a lot to build out there. So if you're going to build out there, you like, you do need to have some sort of <laughs> substantial income to be able to afford that house. So you, you can get a discount on a house in the mountains just make sure you get a really good sprinkler system that surrounds your property. <laughs> Lots of water taps <laughs> through the mountain into the water. Just <laughs> go near a lake or somewhere like that. But uh, but these are things that are still affecting because even uh, I was reading that San Francisco is another place they have areas there. So it does affect, especially when you have a state like California where people are leaving by large amounts of people. Um, now you have those prices being affected more houses being affected yeah. so it's like man well talking about the giant sprinkler system uh i was in san diego uh, a few years ago and i have a friend that lives there and he was renting a house inside this gated neighborhood that was kind of it was a really cool neighborhood like had a big mountain hill and the whole neighborhood was the entire hill mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of really nice houses and stuff like that but and it's gated all the way around but what it was like you came in the gate and i was like yeah what's like what's the Brent live here is some like $4,000 for this house. It was ridiculous. And he's like, but the HOA was like a thousand or $1,200 a month. And he says, yeah, but, uh, the entire Hill has its own sprinkler system to where if a fire comes up, like apparently there's this giant sprinklers 
everywhere in this complex that will just start dousing the entire hill in water. And I was like, That's insane. oh my God, like that is absolutely insane. I was like, the pump you would have to where they get in the water from oh, God, i have no idea like i doubt it was from like the hooked up to the city water or something That's like that insane. i don't know if they had a big reserve tank on top to try to like just douse everything yeah. down or what it was but yeah they had the engineering well, and the capability to molly that we know uh loves her california for whatever reason um says maybe they wouldn't have wildfires if they changed the laws and clean up the dang forest california i'm talking to you so disappointed and uh I mean, yeah, I guess, I guess it's, it's, but all of this stuff, like I said, still affects home prices. Um, and, and this other article you have the, this one was interesting. I did enjoy this article, uh, in a bid for stability, the FHFA extends forbearance oh, policies. Oh, you got it. I, I've been practicing. <laughs> I can tongue twister for I me. I can actually picture you. Yeah. Like mirror. FHFA, FHFA, FHFA. It's that it's that second F that always gets me. Um, but pretty much what they came out with, uh, very interesting, is they're extending the time frame that you can um, file for forbearance, and they're extending it through December thirty first. That means that up until December thirty first, you can file for forbearance. That's going to give you six months. And then at the end of the six months, you can file for an extension. So essentially, you can file for forbearance at the end of December and not have to make a payment all the way through the end of 2021. Basically, your payment would be due in December or January 1st, right. 2020. So it, like we talked in previous episode about the amount of people that are actually delinquent, right? Even Texas that we had such high delinquencies because people were scared and unsure of what forbearance meant. A lot of people felt that forbearance meant that you take it and now at the end of four months, six months, you got to make one lump sum payment. And to their credit, I mean, it was all over the damn place as far as what the hell was going to happen with forbearance. And I still think it is, um, even though you and I both talked about, you know, they're always going to come out and protect the, the homeowner in the housing market because they can't have that many foreclosures in the market. If you yeah, if they I couldn't make their lesson. payments then, and now all of a sudden they got to make six months or a year worth of payments of one, they won't be able to. So obviously something's going to happen. Obviously something's going to change. But this is very interesting for real estate investors, right? Because... As this happens, you're delaying foreclosures. You're delaying all these things that are going on in the market. And you're delaying the market from correcting itself as it needs to. So you're keeping people in houses that they can no longer afford. Yeah. Um, job markets are changing drastically, right? I mean, there's people that are, we don't know when they're going to get back, uh, going back to being employed. Uh, pilots, like we talked about, event coordinators, event planners, um, restaurants. How many restaurants, you know, even bars in this is San Antonio, the bar owners were saying, you know, oh, we can open up, but it has to be at 50%. It's like we've been losing over the past six months so much capital you know and so much opportunity and now you're still making us open with pretty much both hands tied behind our backs because at 50 percent, we still can't make the revenue that we need yeah. restaurants and bars most of them are at a very marginal profit basis yeah those so margins are small exactly so you have all these people that are pretty much out of business employees out of work everybody hitting the labor market and yet you're extending this and now i'm not saying you shouldn't be given forbearance it's just Keep it in mind as investors, what is this market going to look like in 2021? 
you know, are we expecting a crash? You know, and it's it's kind of hard to see if we're going to get a crash because one, it's going to definitely depend on who gets elected, I think. And then two, it's going to matter as far as if we keep doing this and holding off foreclosures and all this, it's like. Well, I think it's also like you, you see different portions of the country like opening up and you see the other ones shutting down mm -hmm. to where like we are a national economy. We all do depend on each other. The same banks are lending to the same people in both places to where yeah. here in Texas, we might be booming along, moving right along. But if you have other areas of the country foreclosing and still shutting down, letting that money bleed from the economy. Yeah. You're going to have problems. But I mean, I think after the election, that's when it's like moves now need to be made because the elections are over. We know which direction things are going. Um, and now it's like, okay, now we need to deal with these problems. We've been postponing until after the elections. I don't know why you're waiting to well, help I mean, people, but you know, I don't Mo know, Molly puts in here, you know, by opening up, uh, we're saying that it's safe to come out and enjoy by not opening. We're saying be afraid. And I get where you're coming from, but the issue that I always look at is not so much open up, but it's the people, right? People are still scared. People uh, across the board are, even if you open up, there are a lot of people, and I'm talking about not what the media puts out. I'm talking about people that we speak to on a regular basis. They're like, yeah, yeah, no, no. Even the bar's opening up. I'm not going to go. You know, even the restaurant's opening up. Nah, I'm probably not going to go. Um, they're scared. They're still scared. Yeah. And then you have, they said, what was it? 40% of the population said they might take the vaccine if they can't, uh, when they come out with one. So, People are even scared of the vaccine, so they're scared to go out. They're scared of the vaccine. They're okay. They're scared to travel. Um, you know, you you have too much fear still in the market, I think. And yeah. and all this fear, I 1,000% blame it on the media, you know, and these politicians have used this as a political ploy to push their agendas because all this fear has made people you know, more paralyzed, more paranoid about going places and doing things. So I, I don't know, even if even when Texas opens up, even though we have seen more of a gridlock when we're driving now, which is annoying, kind of miss the good old days of uh, I could get closures. it at 530. I could hit 410 and I could not touch my, all the way to like New Braunfels. I could not touch the brake. The it was way. awesome. Three, four in the afternoon, just going across Wherever San Antonio in like go. 20 yeah. minutes. Yeah. yeah, it was beautiful. But uh but yeah, I mean, that, that that was beautiful in a very sad way. It's kind of yeah. like saying, you know, oh, I love the apocalypse because I can get across town quicker. But, but it's, like, it's like, yeah, you served the yeah, apocalypse. This isn't, this isn't worth it. It's like, it's a great cure, but that uh, what it's causing is not good. Not and, good And at then all. Molly adds, that's because they aren't ed educating themselves. And I completely agree. I completely agree. And we go back to the same thing that we've said before. If you are a headline reader, you're going to struggle. You know, if you're a headline reader, you don't look at the facts. You don't. Well, I mean, which the facts are being changed at all times by, the, you know, the CDC and the doctors. Wear a mask. Don't wear a mask. Uh, shut down. Don't shut it's down. It's airborne. It's not airborne. It's this. Yeah. It's not that. It's like now. What was it? Was it the CDC that came out that saying the shutdowns is actually more harmful? And it's like it should be it should be used as a absolute last resort. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> duh. Because yeah, so, like, oh, the, the repercussions from shutting down, you have, yeah. you're like, we've now doubled the world's poverty yeah. in six months. It's like, 
Yeah, because people can't go work. That's who this is affecting. It's not necessarily your white collar workers because they've been able to work from home. Yeah, it's the people that the bar owners, support staffs, things that depend on these events. That like those are the ones that are getting hurt the most because they're on an hourly wage and they're they work with their hands. Yeah. They don't work with their minds. Like you can sit behind a computer and still produce uh, value to somebody. So it, it's a uh, it's a real problem. So. And I do agree. It's like you really need to educate yourself on stuff. And I just look at just the pure numbers of just like, well, Texas has really been open since July. We had to shut a few things down. But, yes, we had a spike. But it's really come down to where now we've had a couple of days in San Antonio where it's only in like double digits versus like or like 86 new cases versus 750 like it was before uh, in one day to where like that's a pretty good number. Things are improving pretty well. Well, so. even uh, Ian Bertini, he, um, you, got, you got to put a profile picture, man. Come on. Stay with the times, bud. Uh, but even Ian, uh, he, t- he says, you know, you got to, that's why you got to listen and read from everywhere so you can make up your own mind. Uh, it could not have been said better. I mean, that's precisely it. We have friends that are hardcore uh Fox viewers, and if you're listening, you know who you are, sir. And then we have friends that are hardcore CNN viewers, right? And then it's like the problem with that is that you always are only going to see one side. You understand? And that one side is always going to push whatever agenda makes the most sense to them. Yeah. You understand? And what makes the most sense to ratings, regardless of what makes the most sense to you. So you're the one that needs to choose what you're consuming. What information is actually going to help you? It's actually going to take you, you know, help you make the best educated decision as far as it comes to voting, as far as it comes to, you know, running your life, running your business, um, all of these things. You got to get educated. And and I think we're severely lacking in that. And um, but and and Ian just said, and very few are dying. I mean, that's one thing about the the debate last night. Like, oh, look at the cases spiking. Yeah. But the death rate and like Trump even said, our death rate is a fraction of what it is in other places around the world. I like, yes, people are getting sick, but you recover. Like, it's just like the flu. It's like you catch the flu. And that's where I think is a lot of this is going to come down to like, we are going to live with COVID-19 for the rest of our, our lives and eternity. It's never going to be eradicated. There's going to be a vaccine come from it, but there's people that aren't going to get it. And it's going to spread just kind of like the flu. You're going to feel like crap because people die from the flu too. It turns into pneumonia. It's like, but we have therapeutics that treat those diseases and those sicknesses when somebody goes to the hospital because they just approved a, um, what was, I can't remember the name of it, but it's one of the ones that Trump took for uh, a therapeutic. It's like, yeah, I'm not even going to make an attempt at it. Started with an R. I I do know that. But it was another therapeutic that was approved. So we're learning how to treat this thing when somebody does get sick. So. No, you, you got to educate yourself. On you it. really do. Um, but I, going back to kind of the, the whole real estate thing, I was reading an article with, because you have the eviction moratorium. Um, <laughs> they picked these words, man. FHFA moratorium. FHA moratorium. Yeah. Yeah. I practice. I practice. I'm not going to say it again, but I practice. Um, and, you know, stop evictions. But yet evictions have still been going on. Uh, and the states that we're leading are obviously Texas, Florida, all the states where you have the most investors and more institutional type of investment firms and, you know, multifamily owners and all that are the ones that are leading the way. And it's because what's actually interesting, even though they did the moratorium, the CDC did it, 
you as a tenant need to file pretty much a, a document that they have on their website. You can get it anywhere saying why you cannot pay rent. Yeah. If you don't do that, you can still be evicted. You are not protected. And I thought, you know, it sucks for tenants that are actually struggling. But for those that are taking advantage of the system, I think it's, this is a great protection for landlords. Yeah. Because it's if you cannot prove that you have been affected by uh, by the virus, which I think, I mean, damn, it's going to, I think it's pretty hard to not be able to prove it. Because, yeah. I mean. That's what I said. Uh, what I was reading, it's like if somebody actually makes an attempt at filling it out, it's going to yeah. be pretty easy to not get evicted because they say like you have to prove that you're affected it's, it's easy to do uh that you can't pay pretty easy to do but a lot of people are just saying uh, we have a friend that they had a tenant that's just like yeah i'm just not going to pay rent because you can pay rent you're still employed yeah i'm still just not going to pay it because when they first came out with the stuff that was how it was you could just say you couldn't evict anybody like yeah. just playing across the board but then they realize like okay that's not good either because you have bad actors that are just trying to game the system yeah to where, yeah, they have to fill out this form. It's an affidavit that's saying you're not um, able to afford it. But then you have tenant. Then you have to file that. But then you actually have to show up to your court date. To where I read, like, people just weren't plain showing up. Like, they're like, well, you can't evict me. So I'm, I'm going to ignore all these notices. The court saying I have to show up. And they just don't show up. And the judge is like, well, they're not even here to plead the case. So apparently they don't care that much. Just you're out. Exactly. And, and that is something that just tenants don't are not aware of. They're not aware that this is that needs this needs to be done. They need to file this way. Landlords are landlords are more educated. So we go back to the same thing. You gotta educate yourself. Yeah. You can't just depend on saying, "Oh, oh, the government promised, right? Or the government's gonna take care of me." It's like, no, you still gotta go out there and educate yourself, understand the rules, understand the laws, and protect yourself and your family. Now you still can't be a scumbag. And and we had a, an investor friend that's selling us a how a lady's one of their tenants is trying to scam the system by doing all this right so you can't you shouldn't be a scumbag and i think you should get punished for doing that because as landlords we get hurt by you doing that you understand our credit gets hurt our, our investments get hurt everything gets hurt and then our you are hurting our families too so it's like you know, it's not about you. It's not just because you're a landlord means that you're rich and you can do it. Most people don't are not good landlords. Most people yeah. don't have reserves. Most people don't have savings. They don't know how to manage a property correctly. Yeah. So you not paying your mortgage for one month can hurt a lot of landlords. So this this is, I think, good to protect them and for you to show and not be such a, you know, a, a scumbag and take advantage of the system. Yep. Um, with that being said, we did have an article here that you, if you wanted to take over that one uh, from negative it's, interest rates. Yeah, it's just, it was very interesting um, to where, I mean, I'd like to have a discussion on it or something mm -hmm. of like what that's going to look like. Because we've all heard about negative interest rates of the uh, overnight Federal Reserve um, policies that are happening in like, um, I think it's Japan, Europe is that way. And what that really does. And I know our Federal Reserve, the U.S. Federal Reserve has said we're never going in negative interest no we're close to doing that but i just saw an article that just kind of came out that just said the uk is reaching out to their banks the uk um what is it the bank of england there we go the bank of england's coming out and reaching out to their commercial banks and asking hey are you guys prepared for negative interest rates not that they're doing it because they're still at 0.1 percent but they're just saying 0.1 0.1 percent still positive <laughs> uh are you prepared to go 
negative interest rates to where it's just like, man, now the UK is falling negative interest rates to where they say in the Federal Reserve, we're never going interest rates. Like, I don't think you should ever use the word never in any kind of. Uh, well, and you also have the ECB has been negative interest rates for I don't know how long. Bank of Japan has been in negative interest rates for I don't even know how long. Uh, there are, you know, areas, countries that done negative interest rates already. And I think the U.S., we've had uh, short term treasuries be at negative interest rates, you know, because when you're that low, it's like the, the short term loans sometimes are negative interest rates. Well, and that's and, to say, like, what does that do and what their fear is? It's like basically what that means uh, for anybody that doesn't understand. It's like banks used to pay an interest rate to leave your money there. If you notice, like you might get a little, uh, if you have an RBFCU bank account every month, you might get a dividend payment of like 10 cents, 20 cents, $3. That's mean that's the bank Baller. paying you to keep the money there. But if this goes the other way, a negative rate, and that's why they were asking if you, if the commercial banks were ready to do this, because if they aren't ready to do it, they have to pass that cost on somewhere. It means that the, the bank is now, uh, their federal reserve, their reserve banking system is charging them to keep money at their bank. Mm -hmm. And now they might pass that along to consumers to where consumers, you put a hundred dollars in the bank at the end of the year, you might only have $99 left to where the bank is taking money from you to store money at their bank. And what yep. they're worried about that is, is people say, well, because they're trying to enforce you to go out and spend it. It's like, well, if you put it not, in the bank, not so much spend it, but borrow it because the, their purpose with all this is yes, they're paying you. You're paying them to keep your money in the bank, but then they're paying you to borrow money. You know, well, that's so where I don't think it's going to get that. Well, problem, that, that's supposedly that's the 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 point of it. The point of it is that they want you to borrow. Right. They want to lower interest rates so much that it's stupid for you not to borrow, to put more capital in the market, to put create more jobs, create more investments. You all this. Yeah. Right. That's theoretically the rule. But then when you have somebody come in with ridiculous tax plans and all this, it's like, well, okay, you're giving me cheap money, but now you're taking it from over here. So yeah. if we go back to the same thing, it's like you got to think of the whole system. Like you're building a house of cards right here. It's like, let's just stack all this stuff up and keep going up. Yeah. Where, but you have the other side of that to where they're worried is like money's going to go into hiding. That people say like, well, I don't want to borrow money cheaper anymore. Like I don't have any use for it. I'm financially savvy. And I'm not going to put it in the bank because I get charged to do that. So I'm just going to keep my money in a nice large safe in the back of my closet. Yeah. And then money gets sucked out of the economy and it doesn't go anywhere. It's like that's what their biggest fear is if that's going to happen. And I think that's what they said was starting to happen. Like going negative interest rates wasn't working like they hoped it would. Yeah. Over in like Japan and Europe and stuff like that. But they're still doing it. And they're still, yeah, they're even, still doing uh, it. But, well, now because they're, the Fed chair was thinking about it back, what, in March or something that they were talking about what's negative interest rates going to look because they they're keep trying to encourage more spending, more borrowing. Yeah. That's what they want. You know, even with home mortgages and all that, that's what they want. But you also, we go back to the same thing when people say, you know, oh, we don't have inflation. Well, home prices going as high as they're going that's inflationary it's causing people to not be able to buy houses right and then when you're hit you have a hurting job market even though there's a lot of areas that are doing very well but you still have a hurting job market and uh, payment increases are not you know keeping up in a lot of areas so it makes affordability an issue it makes all these things an issue it makes borrowing an issue and then when you're hitting businesses you know now what are they going to borrow for you know so it, it's a 
I don't know. I mean, interest negative interest rates. I've never heard anything good about it. Yeah. Uh, the countries that have gotten into it have not gotten out. Um, they haven't been able to really back back out of the negative interest rates. Uh, it, but it just kind of goes to show that after 08, it made it very hard for the government to really manipulate the market because they bailed out the too big to fail, which made it impossible for them to fail. They never got interest rates high enough for this next crisis. They never got the the Fed's balance sheet low enough. So now it's like, what does this new market look like? We don't know. Like yeah. honestly, like it could be. It's, like, it's experimental. Like it's been experimental since like two thousand. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's like nobody ever knows. Like well. In theory, this should work. Let's roll the dice and see what happens. And I mean, Tommy in the chat uh, has been putting up a lot of great information of what he's been doing with uh, uh, GIs and, and his tenants and everything. And it kind of goes to all the same strategy that we used on this recent property and how we've operated our business is creative real estate. You know, you as a real estate investor, as an investor business owner, you got to get creative. Yep. You have to be able to understand that it's more than just the basics. You that's why you need to understand your business and I think a lot of people don't take the time to do that. Nope. A lot of people just jump into it because it's, you know, they're like, "I'm an entrepreneur. I can put that on my Facebook now." <laughs> you know, and it's like what the hell does that mean? Yeah. You know, you got to still understand a business. You got to still run a business, understand taxes, understand the legal side of your business, understand all of these things to protect yourself, protect your future, protect your employees. You know, you got to understand like when uh, an investment makes sense, when it doesn't, how can you make an investment make sense based on the current market conditions? So educating yourself and always being a student of business is what is required to run a business. And yeah. I think a lot of people are so lazy because they look at it like, but it's my passion. I love what I do. I understand you love what you do, but loving what you do and understanding business are vastly different things. You need to understand both. You need to not just love what you do. You need That's why they always talk about a starving artist, right? Artists, you could be an amazing artist, but if you suck at running a business, you're a starving artist. Yep. You understand? And that falls in every single scenario. And Tommy, I think, is an excellent example. We've had plenty of meetings with him where he's just blown our minds with the amount of stuff that, you know, he knows and the creative things that he does. Uh, well, we are definitely going to be having him on for uh, tips from the pros starting in the new year. So, you know, uh, keep an eye out for that. But with all that being said, I mean, we are hitting that nine o'clock stop time that we have because we have uh, other things that we need to move forward. What? So you got five minutes. Five minutes. So uh, with that being said, um, you know, just going back to it, just if you're a business owner, it's not about loving what you do. You need to understand the business. You need to understand how is a business ran. You need to wear all the hats, even if you don't like to. I mean... When I first started, I taught myself how to code websites, how to build landing pages, how to do marketing, how to do accounting, how to do everything that's required in a business. You know, now, luckily, we have teams, we have people that we hire things out to. Um, we're able to, but we are able to do that because we knew how to do it initially. We took the time to learn. And that's why now we're able to pivot as the market turns, as the market changes. That's why we're not scared when people always say, you know, oh, the market is changing. What are you guys going to do? What we've always done, 
We're going to keep pivoting. We're going to keep adjusting. We are always looking at the market. That's why we do coffee with the Johns, right? Because we, we're analyzing the articles. What are the trends that are coming in? You know, all these things happening. What does that mean to the market? By understanding what's the real estate, what's the policies that are coming down the line? You know, if if Biden gets elected, okay, so he's go, he wants to raise taxes. Yeah, the world's not going to end if Biden no, gets elected. No, by all elected. means. Or, or Trump. It's just like the world's going to keep going. The exactly. The world's not going to end. Like, the economy's still going to be moving forward. We're still going to be here tomorrow. And that's just like the whole point of this and why if you guys are watching right now, hit the like button, subscribe, share this uh, so you catch it every week. And we stay on top of these topics because – Right now, I talk a lot of politics. Well, this is no means to be a political show. It's just yeah. right now, there's a lot of politics in the news because of everything going on. And if you are a business owner, politics does affect you. Those policies do affect you in some way, shape, or form because it's especially in real estate, if you're in the investment space, you need to understand how money works because that money is going to the people that are driving investments and driving returns. If that money is slowing down and not being spent or you're not paying attention to it, that is going to affect who you are, what you do, and how successful your business is. Yeah, and uh, we had uh, Tommy on here that he said uh, to speak on foreclosures. Uh, we did last month, uh, last week, Tommy. So you can check out that episode, episode eight. Uh, we talked about the foreclosures and what we see coming. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I get what you're saying with foreclosures, but at least for what the data that we have for Texas and San Antonio, we don't feel that foreclosures are gonna be really spiking anytime soon unless these people really hold out to not go into forbearance. But if they take the forbearance route, I think foreclosures are going to be tough. Um, but check out that episode. We went into it a lot more in detail. And what we are actually thinking of doing uh, in future episodes is we want the first hour to be like this. We're going to be talking about the news and things, headlines and trends. And then the last half of the show, we're thinking of picking a topic every week um, and really diving deep into that topic. Right. It could be the topic of China, Bitcoin, uh, foreclosures, even a specific strategy. Maybe we can make it more into a training session. I don't know. I mean, we're up for opinions and ideas. So uh, leave them in the comment or for those of you that have our contact info, shoot us a message. Let us know what topics that you you would like a deeper dive into. Uh, John and I stay very informed, very educated on all things economy and all things real estate. Um, so, you know, we, we can dive a little deeper and give you our two cents and kind of spark those conversations. So leave them in the comment. Let us know what topics would you like us to dive deeper on? And we're going to keep doing this. Remember after the live, I'm going to go straight in and I, I'm going to update all the links. So you're going to have all the links to all the articles I spoke about, all the articles that we're reading, uh, articles that we just didn't get to uh, actually cover today, but they're going to be below. Check them out. Read them. Don't read just the headlines. <laughs> the headlines are written by somebody else other than the person that writes the article. Okay. Yep. Headlines are made for you to open the article. So don't read the headline. Read the article. Read the content. Uh, learn. Understand. Become a student of what's going on. So with that being said, John, pleasure as always. Always. And we will catch you guys next week. So See ya. Thank you for watching and subscribe.